Hello, and welcome to Dodecahedron, a podcast by, for, and about roleplayers. I'm Jess Vetters. And I'm Colin Lamothe. Every week we get together to talk about a range of gaming-related topics, from creating a character to running a game. What it all means for people who share a favorite hobby. We may not be experts, but we do have pleasant voices and a wealth of gaming experience that we're eager to share to you. Today, we are jumping into our D&D high school setup, part two. But before we get into it, Colin. Yes, Jess. Do you remember when we were talking about our uh, our fun little goblin adventure? I do. And I posited the idea of running a game that was basically Goblin Court. Yes. I am happy to say that I am going to be running that game. Ooh, all right, all right. So give me the details. How many players you got? When's this going down? Uh, It's going down Tuesday, so by the time (laughs) one of the players who does listen to the podcast hears this, uh, it may have happened or may be happening, like, that evening, Mm -hmm. and I'm putting the finishing touches on all of the plans, and I gotta say, I set myself up for a lot more work than I thought I had. How so? Well... Writing a murder mystery that the players have to solve actually is fairly involved. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, it is a murder mystery. Yeah, I didn't really think about that when I just kind of threw the idea out there off the cuff. Just like, gonna, yeah, just a little, like, goblin courtroom drama. Just gonna hit him with a whodunit? To... Yeah, just, you know, the oldest form of, like, Here's a really complicated story that you can tell and you have to leave in all of the right bits and bobs so that the readers can figure it out. But if they don't, they feel like, oh, you must have been very clever instead of you were just not telling me all of the information. That's always a fine line to strike. And actually, we should add that to our podcast list, how to run a good mystery game, you know? I absolutely agree. And I think... um, I think you're going to be leading the discussion on that one because I'm not I'm not super proud of my mystery writing skills. And I love mysteries. You run a good mystery, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. I will take all that credit where it is due. Absolutely. So, speaking of mysteries, how are we going to finish up our D&D high school? Well, The last time we spoke about this, uh, I told you that I had come up with four teachers. Yes. uh, Only one of whom was in the same subject as one that you had at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I believe was the history teacher. That is absolutely correct. And that's totally fine. There can be different versions of history. Yes. I I think the way that I want to do it is basically, like, just continue to go back and forth like we did last time. It's like the little bits and bobs about our characters and whatever stands out and whatever is interesting. We'll jump into that a little bit more. Sure. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and get to it. But first, let me lay that at your feet. You start us off. Well, I'm going to start off by reminding our listeners of the three NPCs that we already came up with. Yes, please. There was our cafeteria slash tavern keeper, Old Joe Alehandle. He's missing his stomach, y'all. It's a void. It's true. 
It is a horrifying void, but it does mean that he can consume pretty much anything with no ill effects. No poisons, ladies and gents, no poisons. There was also our administrator, <laughs> Principal Jodrick Percival. He was a, a nice paladin of vengeance who is so by the book that it occasionally uh, backlashes against him. Friggin' Jodrick. I can't get over that name. Hey, Jodrick is a great name, and there are a couple more really great names in my list that you will enjoy. Oh, God, your quirky names. All right, yep. All right, so we got Jodrick. And finally, there was James Jimmy Gilgarock, our yep. PE teacher. The orc. The orc of a thousand scars, and every time you meet him, you notice a new scar, and it always launches into some fanciful little story. Yes, but a story that has strange parallels to exactly what the player characters are dealing with. Honestly, I think that's my favorite thing about Jimmy Gilgarock, other than the fact that his he's called Jimmy, because <laughs> that's just very good. Jimmy the Orc. But yeah, there's, there's just a lot that you can do with any of those characters, and to remind our listeners... Those are three that we came up with on the fly. Very true. So you're about to see what we can do when we have a little bit of planning. And astute listeners will remember that right at the end of the last episode, I teased the shop teacher, yep. Delilah Pungy. Pungy. All right. <laughs> I, have, I have set her up to be a cleric, a dwarven cleric of the knowledge domain. Uh, Delilah is the granddaughter of Marshall Pungy, who claimed to have invented the idea of putting sharpened stakes at the bottom of a pitfall trap, oh, or very at least to innovative. have perfected it. Yes, innovation runs deep in this family. A mind among minds. She follows in her grandfather's footsteps, using her position as a teacher to experiment with new ideas and designs, as well as an exercise to build her family's claim to fame in fun and exciting ways. In... While her main focus is on crafting construction, I did write out a whole thing, and I am going to read it at you. Fine. No, that's that's fine. You can absolutely read it at me. I, I wrote down just like a bunch of like bullet point ideas. So clearly, um, you wrote sentences. Well, I work in prose. That's, that's just how my mind operates. Shoot for it. Ah, uh, yes. While her main focus is on craft and construction, she is an accomplished fighter with a warhammer and has some skill at magic. Mm. She's quick to laugh, but takes safety very seriously and would rather inflict a dire punishment on a student than risk them being hurt in her class. Mm-hmm. Fair. So I kind of see Delilah as this very, like, not necessarily no-nonsense... She is everybody's jovial, happy best friend until you do something wrong, at which point she's like, no, you stop that right now. Either get out of this room or I will literally spank you with a warhammer. So my question would be, since she's following along with her family's claim to fame, do a lot of her traps involve either A, stakes or B, pits? Yes. Well, I mean, like, the whole the whole way that we came up with Delilah being somebody to talk about in the first place was me wondering why there are so many pitfall traps in dungeons. Because they serve no practical purpose. Like, it is literally there just to be a trap. I mean, that is and the practical purpose. Well, yeah, but, like, if you've got a crossbow trap or something, that's something that you can set up. 
like, if you're going to do a pitfall, you actually have to go out of your way to dig a big hole in the middle of a hallway <sighs> and then cover it up with something. Yeah, I mean, that pitfall trap's going to work once unless you're maintaining the dungeon. Exactly. Which, like, honestly, that storytelling instant of who actually does maintain the dungeons? Because unless no one has ever been into every dungeon, then I don't really understand how they get reset. The kind of the way that I always handled it, or when I say always, I mean <clears throat> in the D&D kind of game that I ran um, in, in my world, there was a, a kind of a spirit, a law spirit, an order spirit. Um, that was native that, you know, while, while native to the outsider planes of like law and order, uh, a long time ago, were kind of banished outside of the law and order realm and into our physical realm. And they find, uh, they find purpose in, um, in order and labyrinths. And so they're these spirits that live within the dungeons, never, never come in front of any uh, adventurers, never, never try to start any fights, but they do go back and reorder the dungeon the way that it needs to be after they've left, because it's the only thing that brings them a semblance of control. That is so clever and hilarious. I love it. Yeah, yeah I thought it would work out pretty well. <clears throat> that pesky players, they just wanted to go and release them from their duties. And I was like, oh, if you guys do that, no one's going to be able to reset these dungeons. Right? Think about the future. Think about the future adventurers. I mean, you've already pillaged it. That mean, it was their th they it was their job to go out and also find new treasure for people to pillage. They made things exactly as it should be. It, everything was ordered. Everything must have a place. Yes. Exactly. I well, love it. All right. So, we have so we have Punji. How how did you imagine her interaction with the player characters? Would she be giving people um, quests, or would she be uh, an equivalent of, say, a shopkeep that could upgrade their gear in weird ways? See, a little bit of both. Okay. I imagine Delilah to be something like a quartermaster, um, but also she wants you to test out her new dungeons. So, like, especially for rogues, and the trap disabling and get arounding types. She's the one who will be training you in things like how do you detect this particular like pressure trigger? Things like that. Okay, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But at the same time, you know, she's the shop shop teacher, so if you want to know how to make a big sword, she's mm -hmm. also the person you'd go to for that. Ah, uh, yes, the black smithery. So yeah, no, that's that, yeah. that works out pretty well. So she's she's pretty vital in terms of in terms of, you know, the day to day of the school. I suppose she could be, yeah. I I would I'd struggle to say that she would be the only person that would be involved in that kind of thing. Um Oh, almost certainly not. Yeah. Right. But I think she she would be like at least the way that I would run it, the main teacher who would actually be taking care of that sort of stuff. Sure. The 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 main teacher, maybe not like that. Kind of the head of the department, but at the same time, more of just an extremely important teacher that the uh, characters deal with on a daily basis. Right. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, like, I like setting her up as the head of the department. I think that makes sense. So who's your first? 
Well, my first is Mayhew Maylock, um, and he is a religious studies teacher. Mayhew Maylock. Nice. Mayhew Maylock, the religious studies teacher, claims to be a cleric of the main good god, the main good god fiat that we have in this world, and that's what that's what landed him the job. Mayhew, however, is not a cleric of that deity. In fact, Mayhew Maylock is not a cleric at all. Mayhew Maylock is a charlatan who um, is incredibly good at pretending to be what he is not. Interesting. And the way that he pulls this off is a number of divine artifacts that allow him to channel divine-esque abilities so that it appears to be that he channels from piece to piece. So while Mayhew Maylock is supposed to be involving people with sort of a morality study and, uh, you know, what is good versus evil according to the teachings of this god, Mayhew Maylock, who ended up in this position largely as a way to avoid getting caught for uh, an, uh, for an assassination that he was tangentially involved with, uh, <clears throat> took the identity of the person who was supposedly assassinated in order to avoid getting caught involved with the assassination itself. So he's kind of the guy that was left holding the bag, and instead of being incarcerated or destroyed, he took that bag, made a disguise out of it, and pretended to just be the guy who was supposed to be dead. Interesting. Exactly. He kind of serves as a gray character for our player characters. Someone who sort of wheels and deals, has a lot of plans and things going on. It's certainly a lot more than a religious studies professor would necessarily need. Uh, and also kind of weaves in his own version of uh, morality into his own lessons, especially when nobody is observing him. Uh, because he desperately does not want to stay in this position. It's only a matter of time before he's caught. Not only that, but the assassins who were supposed to have actually assassinated the guy who he's pretending to be, their employers are pointing out that it doesn't appear to be that that guy is assassinated at all, so he has to worry about those guys coming back and taking him down. Hmm. So how many of Mayhew Maylocks, and I have a question about that, do I have to say the whole name every time? You don't have to say the whole name every time. You can say Mayhew, but he prefers if you say Mayhew Maylock. Good. So how many of Mayhew Maylock's story beats are going to focus around either is Mayhew Maylock actually religious or not at all, or like... Very or, few. <clears throat> oh, go ahead. And, or, or what? Or... Protecting him from assassins. Protecting him from assassins is going to be the main thing, which he is going to spin into saying that they are after him for a deific reason and present these, you know, these sellsword assassins as a cult for an evil deity, a gigantic red herring that will become an overshadowing motif for this plot. This is what Mayhew Maylock does not realize <clears throat> is that there is a dark influence at this school. And inadvertently, he is keying in the players to look for that influence just to save his own ass. Oh, now, Colin, you realize what you've just done. Oh, what have I done? You gave away one of the arcs. 
You're right. I did give away one of the arcs. That's. I, I had forgotten that we were about to run this. That's okay. It's okay. Well, it's a, it's a very it's a very it's it's an it's an initial it's an initial arc. You might call this a um, a first peak. Excellent. I like Mayhew Maylock. I think he sounds like an interesting Indiana Jonesy sort of guy. Is that sort of the right vibe? <laughs> that is exactly the right vibe. Beforehand, Mayhew Maylock was uh was uh was kind of exactly an Indiana Jones sort of person, a Tomb Raider kind of kind of guy. He he went into ruined temples, places that were cursed. All of his skills are in deception and in not being seen and in thievery and he would re, he would reclaim these powerful artifacts and then sell them back to their own religious orders at a premium. That was what Mayhew Maylock made his life doing. And now Mayhew Maylock with his collection of holy relics that he just hadn't had a chance to sell yet is attempting to stay always under the nose of an actual paladin and pretend to be a uh, a cleric priest for a good domain when he is clearly a neutrally aligned character. I would imagine that one of his artifacts is probably something that masks or uh, embellishes his alignment. Oh, absolutely. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's um, it's a pair of it's a pair of glasses, uh, which he has had to cunningly replace the lenses of because he has no eye problems, but his character does. Oh, beautiful! I imagine every time you pass him in the hallway. The players may not know that they are passing him, but there will always be... Hey, roll your insight real quick. Okay. And then you just leave the players wondering, what what did I just roll on? The perfect... What, what was yeah. the point? <laughs> the perfect bit will be when the players learn things about this cleric, the cleric who is actually dead... Things about accomplishments, uh, things about thing, uh, things about things he likes or has done or believes in, and confronts him with it. And Mayhew Maylock has to quickly scramble to come up with a reason why he knows those things. Well, oh yeah, I've always liked chili peppers. They're my they're, they're my favorite. I, I eat them every day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So I thought that he would be uh, a kind of a quest giver NPC and eventually a um, eventually a pretty valuable ally to the player characters or a theoretically, depending on how they handle it, uh, an arced an arced villain, depending on what they decide to do about it and how I can see that. Yeah, how determined he is in order to stay under the radar. So it, it, it's an it's an NPC that can go in many directions and uh, has a lot of possibility for uh, expansion. I like the difference in the way that you and I have approached making these NPCs, because to me, they are very, like, singularly functional for the most part. Mm. Uh, like, I, I made teachers who are there to do a thing, and you made plots. <laughs> Like you yeah. didn't you didn't just make one character, you made a whole order of assassins and, and like intrigue and identity theft and all this fun stuff. Yeah, that's 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 me showing that's like me showing my I guess my uh my it's style for off. years. Oh, okay. It's me showing off. There we are. <laughs> there we are. 
what you know what you've you've got some time to to improv just improv new stuff onto the end of the things you wrote pretend that yeah. you had this prepared absolutely i just need to step up to your level ah that's right speaking of stepping up to my level roll me on out roll me on out the next one so my next teacher is a uh, is a magic professor and they are called sapphire quillweave untergolt iridessa yelena bowenheim also known as Professor B. Ah, ah, that is a mouthful. That's the point. Extra points, and by that I mean like literally extra experience to anyone who can remember that entire name, because I will never repeat the entire thing until the very first introduction of that to players. After, mm. other, after all that, it's just Professor B. Professor B is, above all else, a scholar. Sure. They come off as aloof more often than not, with a tendency to get sidetracked in the middle of lessons by interesting theories, and then scribble in silence for minutes at a time. Although their focus is on transmutation magic, they pool the lion's share of their resources into bolstering their spellbook with magic from all disciplines. Ooh. When sparring, if they even see fit to engage in such trivial activities, they are an unpredictable fighter with a seemingly limitless bag of tricks to pull from. I picture Professor B as not necessarily an antagonist, sort of in like an early Harry Potter books Professor McGonagall, like, you're not really sure if they're on your side, but right. they seem to have your best interests in mind, even if that means kicking your ass occasionally. Cool. All right. I'm on board with that. So, how did you imagine her interaction with the player characters? Well, I think they, uh, I think Professor B, I should say, because I, I don't want to gender Professor B. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I think they have evolved past the concept of gender. Okay. And I think they're going to be very snooty about that at certain moments most of the time i think professor b is super chill and is kind of just off in their own head but then if you say something that they find to be at all like incorrect or annoying or demeaning then they're just like i'm sorry what exactly were you hoping to accomplish because you've accomplished less than nothing Nearly impressive. It would be impressive if it was not so... What's the word? Disappointing. Whew. I want I want Professor B to be... Like, a spurring sort of character. Okay. They're not gonna give the quests, but if you come to them for advice, you will walk away knowing something. Okay, so this NPC is more of a uh, kind of a plot resource for the player characters. Yeah, exactly. Interesting, interesting. I'm on board with this. So how does this NPC treat magic characters versus ordinary ones? I'm going to say favoritism runs strong with professor b okay so like if you are playing another transmutation wizard they are going to be your friend 
they will try and push you down as many paths as possible, like, potentially mechanically. If Professor B likes you, when you level up, you get a free spell in your spellbook because they just put it there for you. All right, but legitimate. if Professor B doesn't like you, or say you are the completely magically illiterate barbarian who's just like, me like hit thing with hammer? Then you're going to get a little more ribbing from Professor B. I see. How does her, um, or how does uh, yeah, I, their... I didn't have Sorry. a lot of, like, plot-specific stuff No, 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 them. that's fine. I mean, part of this is also ricocheting ideas and getting what you think about it. Um, how do they get along with the principal? Because I, I, or, you know, with the headmaster, I, I suspect and I think feel that that uh professor b is a very strong personality and uh kind of put up against the other strong personality that is commandeering the school how how do you expect that interaction to kind of play out see to me professor b is the personification of tenure mm. i i legitimately want them to be there like you couldn't fire me if you tried and I don't want it to ever really be explained why Professor B is untouchable. It just needs to be sort of an accepted fact. And if the players want to try and delve into that, then I can come up with something. Fair enough. I'm on board with that. Then shall we move along to my next? I think let's shall. All right. The next NPC that I have in a roster is Elena Nazar. Mm. Elena Nazar joined the faculty as a diplomatic arrangement between the kingdom that hosts this prestigious school and the school itself. Elena Nazar is the fourth daughter of the ruling royalty line and was essentially fast-tracked into a quite comfy teaching position, as I imagine most of these positions are quite comfortable, um, by, the, by dint of her heritage. Elena teaches literature but not just any kind of literature, specifically the literature of the predominant kingdom, which precludes the literature from every other country that you might encounter within the de within you know our, our world, so to say. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> this isn't what she wants to teach. She is an artist, and she would rather teach art, but the kingdom wants to put on a... A perception of intellectual capacity and uh, the ability to understand the rich tapestry of their own writing, which they hold in they hold with high high regard, and that she is to teach that. Elena's thing is that she is a an oracle. She is not fully aware of her oracle-esque powers, nor, nor is anybody else. She is, I would say, she has kind of a persistent underlying power for prophecy. 
And there is very a, nice. Yes, there is a power that is living at least partly within her that is attempting to act through her in order to stain the events that are happening in the school, moving towards a specific purpose. She is partially aware of this interference and resents it, but doesn't really fully understand what it is or what it wants. So I didn't imagine Elena's class to be us sitting down with the player characters and saying, today class, we will be discussing poet Hoshman of the Ore Town. And his famous treatise, Nana Nana Boo Boo, I'm better than you. Exactly. So I'm not going to sit down and and come up with a a curriculum vitae, an entire body of work for a fictional civilization. I mean, I might, but probably not to bore the player characters. Um, Yeah, I feel like that would be a joke taken a little bit too far. Exactly. A joke taken a little little too far. Only 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 a tiny bit. It can be a little indulgent. Like, three poems and a novella. Yeah, exactly. Then then you're fine. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you gotta pace them out class by class. Absolutely. But <laughs> Just don't go past, like, 30,000 words. <laughs> Let's... <laughs> but really, her class serves um, as an important conflict of interests piece within the within the uh, within the characters lives because her position is well protected and she is afforded more protection um than would say many of the other teachers by virtue of her noble lineage and connection and it is something that she is very embarrassed about it is something that she feels trapped by which allows the players see i imagined uh elena is very young Um, possibly close Mm. to the character's own real age and being an NPC that could interact with them quite heavily and grow to be kind of a supporting character within their own narrative. Someone who has access to certain areas of the school that upperclassmen would have access to or staff would have access to that she might be willing to help the characters with provided they build a relationship with her. I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It also, because you know there's going to be that player in nine groups out of ten, gives uh, it gives your players a teacher to flirt with. Yep, absolutely. Because as much as I think that's gross, there is guaranteed some player out there is going to be like, yo, so which of these teachers can I make out with? Uh, the answer is any teacher. It's just the consequences of what happens after. Exactly. You want to make out with Jimmy? I mean, all by all means. I want to make out with Jodrick. <laughs> Why? 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 Because I think he'd be a tender kisser. God. Very soft lips. Oh, you right. might even say they would be divine. Okay, on that note. I'm throwing this. I'm throwing this ball back in your court. Let's let's leave Elena and her story uh, for now, and your your kissing fantasies for Jodrick, and and move on to your next. So my next is To of the Ochre Ravine, and he teaches wilderness survival. Ooh, he's a human right. ranger. 
So Toe is a quiet man with a thick beard and twinkling eyes. He's an expert in herbalism, tracking, hunting, and about a hundred other disciplines, seemingly being able to adapt to any environment at a moment's notice. It is theorized that he is the best fighter on the faculty, but he rarely takes part in sparring matches among staff or students. Contrary to popular rumors, he doesn't seem to have much of a soft side, and will readily leave students behind in the wilderness on survivalist field trips, forcing them to fend for themselves until their peers manage to find the lost student. So Tall is straight up like a quest facilitating NPC. He is there to be the guy who's like, all right, class, today we're going out into the mountain and we're going to teach y'all how to fight bears. And then you have like, oh, no, student friend Persnickety got lost. We have to go and rescue Persnickety. <laughs> You're naming conventions, dude. I'm so good at names. <laughs> Persnickety? Persnickety would be like a gnome or something. Okay. All right. No, continue. Continue this. Oh, man. If you if you think Persnickety is a name, just wait until you hear my last teacher. Oh, Lord. All right. Yeah. But yeah, Toll is uh, kind of like the strong silent type. And I I really want to build it up so that the players who interact with him get it in their heads that he's got this like hidden heart of gold thing going on where he's just he's actually just a really sweet guy maybe like have a scene with him petting a puppy as they walk in and then subtly imply later on that he's got like a like a wolf skin cap the next time they see him a puppy skin cap Hey, puppies have the softest fur. <laughs> very cruel. Wow, I, I feel very bad having said that. Yeah, yeah, you should. You're uh, you're a villain from a from a Disney movie now. Man, I'm a villain from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. That that's accurate. It's not a reference that you got, is it? That's good. God. Okay. All right. What what kind of um, what kind of adventures would he send them on? I think he would be great for, like, early level stuff where it's literally just go out into the woods and, oh no, we ran into bugbears. Or go out into the mountains and, oh no, there's a blizzard. Or go into the ocean for some reason. I don't know. Rangers do weird stuff all the time. But, like, very simple like almost one shot style quests. Sure, sure. He's he's literally just there to facilitate do something before the next story beat. Because I had a feeling that you would come at me with a lot of story beat stuff. You know, you know, it it paid off because as it turns out, I did. You did. It's like I know you. Speaking of knowing you, do you have one more for us? I, one or two? I do have actually two more. The first one Next. that I have is uh, simply called uh, Belfry. Oh. <clears throat> Belfry. Who's doing the fun names now? What? All right. I can dabble. Um, <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm smiling. I'm very pleased. <laughs> I can't be the only one doing fun names. So... People aren't quite sure what Belfry is. Um, Belfry appears to uh, appears to be an elf. 
However, um, Belfry is festooned over with this strange kind of vine-like growth that has twisted its features in such a way that it is almost impossible to tell whether it was an elf before or not. It is um, connected to the wildlife and is a druid. Calling it right now, Belfry is a cursed goblin. Booyah. I'm the could, best. could very well be could very well be the case that is a mystery i will leave unspoken nice uh so belfry's job um is essentially to control corral and care for the wildlife on the school grounds and in the school itself so there are a number of magical beasts and different biomes and things within uh, the basements and all around the school itself in order to facilitate this adventuring-esque D&D high school. Of um, and Belfry's job is to care for all of the beasts that are, that are there, uh, to raise them, to understand them, and to clean up their remains sometimes when the, when the heroes are done with them. Does Belfry get sad about that part of the job? It is difficult to tell whether Belfry gets sad about that kind of a job. Belfry doesn't talk that often. In fact, Belfry doesn't really talk in a language that anyone really understands. Belfry communicates non-verbally through uh, the use of his own druidic magic. When he's particularly when he's particularly happy, you can see the blossoms that grow up around his branches, whereas when he's angry, twisted thorns will cut through his latticed skin and bark-like nails. Colin? Yes? Is Belfry inspired by Groot? Belfry is a little inspired by Groot, but he doesn't say, I am Belfry. He just doesn't say anything. Nah, he doesn't say anything at all. He just communicates non-verbally, which I think is a, a good challenge for a uh, for a dungeon master to have. It definitely is. It would make communicating with Belfry very interesting. Right. And also, uh, Belfry isn't as tall as Groot or as strong as Groot and clearly was a humanoid at one point in time instead of actually just a tree man. He is kind of a tree uh... man, but became a tree man and it is unsure of how exactly so more of a man tree yes a man tree like a tr like yeah like a like a man that was bitten by a radioactive tree yes man tree man tree his name is belfry he takes See? care of all of the critters and cleans up he doesn't oh. raise quitters oh that was good there I we was go for some reason, the only word that I had in my head that would rhyme is, uh... Yeah. Well, we're... Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so so Belfry uh, is a kind of character that you wouldn't see until, um the the players are are having are having their very first kind of, like, pitched melee battle with a beast, and uh, there'd be a moment where it would attempt to retreat, and they would, of course, renew the attack. And there would Belfry, there is Belfry, to to call off the to call off the event. If it, if a creature is defeated, then there's no need to eliminate it. Belfry understands that some creatures are malevolent, 
uh, and keeps the malevolent ones, but also seeks to understand them. It'd be very easy for certain arcs to think that Belfry is the villain, but whether Bel Belfry is or is not will remain unspoken for now. I like it. I like it a lot. Thank you. Thank you, good sir. We are starting to run a little bit long, so if it's we okay are. with you, I'm going to go ahead and jump into my last one. Yes, please do. So, my last is my history teacher. Uh, she is a gnomish bard named Millie Yen Delarbaby. I'm sorry, run that by me again. Millie Yen Delarbaby. Delarbaby. Yes. Okay, just make sure I get the pronunciation right. Yes. Millie is a playful person, the love of stories and history, which are, according to her, the same thing. It's unclear if that is actually her real name, as the details of her own past seem to change every time she relays them. Her grasp on history, however, is razor-sharp and rock-solid. She is very friendly with the students, almost to a fault, and it is not uncommon to see her tiny, wrinkled form tossing back massive tankards of questionable beverages with the other... Or with the older students. <laughs> She's not much of a fighter, preferring during the faculty competitions, which I did keep, like, implying that we have a competition or a tournament arc among the faculty. Oh, My Hero Academia uh, style. Well, just any shonen anime, but yeah, yeah. My Hero Academia did it really well. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, she's not much of a fighter, preferring during the faculty competitions to cajole her way to victory by either winning over her opponents or tricking them into defeating themselves. Hmm. So, Millie is... she's a bard. She is there to facilitate fun happy times and constantly lie to the players about anything that isn't super important. That's, uh, that's pretty much her whole purpose, as far as I have figured out yet. I really just wanted to name a character a million dollar baby, and I don't know why. I've never actually even seen that movie. I I struggle to understand your motivation sometimes. That's mostly because they are inscrutable to anyone who is not functionally insane. There we go. I knew it was coming up. But as much as I'd like to continue to riff about it, and trust me, I do have questions about her. I'm going to have to move on because we want to get all of the characters in before the end of the episode. We can extrapolate we them on them do. later. Yes, sounds good. So my last is, of course, a history teacher. Um, and uh, I, I figured that I would tweak it. Uh, I would tweak it a little bit where uh, I'm not entirely sure, but his history would be involved a lot about foreign policy and war. Uh, and his name is Professor Nye Duquette. Nye Duquette. It's a good name to say. I like it. Yeah, right? It is. It just rolls off the tongue. So, Professor Nye Duquette is an elf, a professional. Not exactly as aloof or, I would say, um, as haughty as Professor B, Anai Duquette is an engaging, um, an engaging speaker, a compelling teacher, a storyteller, really enjoys to draw students in and see their interest in 
wars of ages past. Nye Duquette is an elf, and Nye Duquette has been a part of most of the major wars that he teaches. Nye Duquette could have become anything within the elven kingdom. However, instead he chose this post at this particular school in this particular kingdom, much to the chagrin of those who followed him or respected him. Once he was Commander Nyduquette of the Third All-Seeing Legion. Ooh. Now, Nyduquette always wears a mask, a delicate filigreed mask. Uh, you cannot see his features, but his voice rings clear. And he is uh, a, a unique a uniquely skilled swords and bowmen, but refuses to participate in matters of in matters of personal uh, in matters of personal competition on the grounds that he will happily compete with anyone who has approximately half his experience or more. Now, when you say compete. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, how, uh, how how dangerous are these competitions? That's a good question. So you brought them up. So I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that they would resemble something like um, like a like a joust, like a grand joust, like a like a fair. So there are battle strength of arms, actual combat against one another, and then there are feats of skill. And while these skill and while these tasks are not particularly dangerous, Nyduket believes that the students need to see a progression of skills at their level. And Nyduket is so old and so experienced that he doesn't believe that they would get anything out of watching him do anything. So whether he is actually as skilled as he says he is, or he's all talk, is left mostly up to debate. Gotcha. I would like to have, like, after we sheet these guys, mm. figure out between Toe and Nai who would actually win. Because Ooh. I'm picturing Toe as, like, a 17th or 18th level ranger. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like formerly Commander Duquette is similarly high level. Yes. The question is high level what? That is a very good question. If he was a commander, my instinct says fighter. And you must be quite a fighter to make it past my cow. <laughs> <laughs> I've devolved into Kung Pao references. You, you really have, which is, I think, a good stopping point. So <sighs> such, a, such a good line, and there are so many more references where that came from. Well, we're going to have to wait on those references, buddy. Can we have an episode uh, sometime where I just quote Kung Pao over and over again? I'll, we'll let you know which episode that is so you can possibly skip past it. Avoid the fate. What? <laughs> Nothing. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Why I, don't you... I know. I, I just completely lost all of that. Oh, wow. That actually worked out in my favor. Um... Okay, I can't wait for you to send me your recording so I know what you actually said there. <laughs> oh, this one's going to take some actual editing. In the meantime, yes. Jess, why don't you hit them up with where they can come to comment? So, 
If you want to get in contact with us here at Dodecahedron, you can do, do you so think? in a couple of fun and exciting ways. Exciting. You might want to uh, give us a little suggestion on something we could talk about, like our listener Patrick, who suggested that we include a little bit of an actual play section, which, Patrick, we are planning on doing very soon. So many plans. I think you're going to like what we come up with. Agreed. Uh, You can comment on our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash dodecapodcast. You can send us an email at dodecapodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, which actually has a registered domain now and desperately needs some better design, which you will find at dodecapodcast.com. Colin, are you sensing a theme? I am sensing a small theme. Basically, we're not on Twitter or Instagram yet, but I am thinking about putting together an Instagram soon so we can share, like, character sheets and campaign maps and notes and things like that. Just the fancy, fun little accoutrement that comes with role-playing. I just assume that that Instagram was for taking pictures of food. Uh, It is for taking pictures of lots of things, Colin, including pretty people and dogs. That makes sense. All right, that's fair. Anything on the internet that you want to look at, you can find there. But we don't have one yet, but when we do, it will definitely be Doteca Podcast. So again, email dotecapodcast at gmail.com. Send us a question. Send us a suggestion of something to talk about. Send us a picture of a monkey wearing a funny little hat. I mean, yeah, you know what? I'll accept that. Or on Facebook, facebook.com slash dodecapodcast. Like our page, leave a comment, share a post. I post every week, at least when the new episode goes up, and should probably get around to posting more regularly. Ah, me too. Do that whole, uh, you know, social media thing. Social anyway, marketing. That's, that's all of that. Well, then from all of us here, both of us here, at Dodeca Podcast, we want to thank you for listening and hope to see you next episode. Bye.